Hello everybody, welcome to WTS 208, my name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. Right, Graham, how are you this week? Good, good, good. Um, I got back into a bit of normality today and yeah. I, I I went to went to Dundrum. Yeah, that's that. I mean, as far as the normal stakes go, that that is definitely pre-pandemic normal. It is. I'm not saying that I'm a huge fan of Dundrum by any stretch, but it was nice to have a bit bit of normality. See members of the public. You know, it was yeah. I enjoyed myself. <laughs> yeah, we 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 took a trip to TK Maxx. No, no particular ah, reason. No boy. particular reason other than to get out of the house and have a little nosy. Sometimes, know what it is, right? TK Maxx is, it's this perfect mix of just absolute tat that you'd never buy, but the odd thing that you go, I have to fucking have that. Just, just yeah. every so often, it just been, has something. I haven't been, I haven't had a good look or good route in TK Maxx, I'd say, since I was about 21 or 22. Jeez, that's going a good while back then. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just like nothing's organised. Nothing. I actually was up in Carrick yeah. uh, Mines the other day, and the queue for TK Maxx last Tuesday, I think it was. The queue for TK Maxx was outrageous. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've only ever been to one Carrick Mines once, and I didn't like it at all. Didn't, no. didn't enjoy it I don't at think all. I've never been in it actually. Um, but the the one down here, uh, the the section for like homeware and whatever is fucking huge. So I love going in, and have a little nosy, and just looking did at stuff that I'm. Did we buy anything this time? I think might have bought like a pot in a pan or something. What did we buy? We definitely did buy something. I just can't remember what. You know when you leave the house, mm. do the dogs run amok? No. No, they just sit in the window. So we've beside our front door. There's a big window, and kind of two of them can fit in it. And they just watch the world go by. And then when we pull up in the car and we're home, they're in the window, nose pressed against the glass, waiting to quiz us on where we've been and why we were so long. Do they get giddy when you open the door and cut to come in? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they'll 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 run around a bit and they'll a woo at us a bit and yeah. And then usually you just let them straight out into the back garden because they'll piddle with a bit of excitement, you know. We're like, don't do that on the tiles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. How's how's life with Sugsy? Sugsy's challenging. Yeah, yeah. Puppy pu- puppy stage is challenging. It's good though. It's grand. He's only having three weeks, isn't it? Two, two weeks, three weeks. Now? Jesus, no. We'll have him. We'll have him two weeks when this podcast is out. Yeah. Um, but we brought him to the vet last Monday just for down the, the art, um, our arc vet. Lovely. I couldn't recommend them enough. Couldn't. Yeah. Paul and the team down there are fucking saints. Brought him down to there for the free puppy check, mm. and he got an injection. Um, and uh, he's like, you're kind of you're kind of forgetting that it's a like it's a baby, mm-hmm. and when it barks, it barks because it's a puppy, and you're kind of looking for reasons. Well, I wonder why he's barking. I wonder yeah. if we did this wrong. Did we do that wrong? I wonder, did I feed him at six instead of seven? You know, because you're told, you're told by canine behavior experts and stuff like that to feed three times a day puppies. Yeah. You know, so you do that at seven and seven the next morning, is he barking because he's starving or is he barking just because he wants attention or, mm. you know, like most of the time now we've been, I think the first week he was quite, quiet and apprehensive as to where he was and probably a bit of a shider 
Um, but I think he's starting to open up his personality and like he's he's quite good around me mom and dad when he's on his own with on his own like if he because he has the, the obviously the puppy nibbles mm. um which are can be a killer if he catches it because yeah he makes the teeth are like fucking needles um but yeah he's i think my mom and dad my mom kind of mam- mamily gives out to him and he kind of stops most of the time um my dad as well just ignores it and he stops poor carl walks into the kitchen and uh sugsy thinks I, I have it in my head that sugsy thinks here's my little brother here yeah. we go here's the bit of mischief we're gonna have now uh here's a here's a bit of mischief we're gonna have now uh and no matter what stance carl is in he'll try and bite carl <laughs> so I'm not sure if Carl's enjoying him this past few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he can't enjoy him because anytime he goes to pet him or anything like that, he goes to bite Carl. Jesus. Yeah. It could just be that Carl tastes delicious though. No, it could be. Absolutely you know, could be, yeah. He, he he looks like a delicious man to be fair to him. Yeah. So yeah. you know. I I I would be lying if I said I'm I I am looking forward to the puppy stage being over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually that's getting the dog trainer, Danny. We're getting the dog trainer down to the house on Saturday. Oh brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found. I thought it was a bit of a sign. Not that I'm any superstitious or anything like that, but mm. I, I was um, dropping my granny home last Friday, and I was coming down the way of the road, and uh, I was in traffic, and I was thinking about the dog, and I was thinking, not for any quick fixes or anything like that, but just a bit of assistance because I do be out the back with the dog, trying to like give me the paw, you know, <laughs> sit down and stuff. Yeah. And he's just looking at me with his literally puppy eyes, so, kind of going, what are you on about? Yeah, you have to about... teach them, man. You have to, like... So, with, with our ones, uh, what we done was we got, like, you get little tiny tree dogs react, well, at least ours fucking did anyway. They, they, they respond to, like, you know, treats and, like, attention or whatever. So, like, we got these little small little dog treats, like little tiny ones, like little, think of, like, smarty-sized kind of treats. You just sit there and like you to, to get them to sit, you you take it in your hand and you put it like on top of their nose and almost kind of go backwards with it to the point where they're going back and they have to go so far back that the only thing they can do is sit. And right. then when their when their arse hits the ground, then you give them it and you say sit, sit, good, or you know words to that effect. Yeah. And then they then associate. Oh, when I hear that noise, I get a treat. So you didn't do it, and they're straight away that's their arse will hit the ground like. Pretty good. Well, yeah, and the same with shake. You know what I mean. You take their paw, you shake it, and then you you just repeat and repeat. It takes time, like it's you know what I mean. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like look, that, that's only one way. I'm sure other people will be like, that's not how you do it. You do it this way. That's grand. But that's that's what worked when, in fairness, Oxana done the heavy lift, and I just came in at the end and celebrated the glory. Oh, uh, You know what I mean. <laughs> but like. Uh, yeah, no. But, but it's literally it's we're ha- we have a new child in the house. That's what it is, man. That's that's why you have to look at it. That you know what I mean. Essentially, minus having to wipe its arse, you, you have yeah. a baby there. You I know? do that as well sometimes. Oh, Jesus! Does he get dangleberries, does it? <laughs> no, no, no. He oh, had a few man. beauties today, real long ones. Like, hope <laughs> um, people are eating their dinner as they listen to this. <laughs> yeah, it's out of oil or lunch or whatever. Yeah, but ca- it's literally like uh, it's like watching uh, a chocolate carnado soft. Uh, <laughs> being put into a cone. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Carnetto sales in the board app just dropped. It's literally like a child because when he wakes up, he gets fed, he gets watered, he goes to the toilet, 
and then you play with him for about a half an hour and then he's asleep and then he'll sleep for maximum probably two hours and yeah. and it's just that repeat yeah rinse and repeat that's it, yeah. that's it. Yeah. anyway who do we have on the show this week dan uh, that's a great question graham uh this week we have uh well it, it's I don't think it's fair to call him a new author because, as he explains to us, he's been at this for quite a while. But I suppose this is his his breaking out of uh, into I don't want to say mainstream. I don't know if that's insulting or not. But yeah, you know what I mean. This is his first published book by a major publisher, um, Tipperary Man, and the book is called Harrow the Boys. The author is Paul White. It's out on digital now, and you can hear about it with us. The Big Show, Paul White. How are you, Paul? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, lads, for having me. Well, thanks Thank for joining you. us, man. Your name isn't the big show, but your name is Paul White, which is That's the big right. show's re- real name. So, <laughs> and we have the same haircut and facial hair. So, in theory, <laughs> and I'm seven something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going around choke slamming everyone in your way. Yeah, it's weird. I I literally stopped wrestling. I remember exactly when I stopped watching wrestling was after he got uh, suplexed by Brock. No way, where did you stop? I don't know why I stopped, but I just remember, I think I don't know who I was living with at the time, but he was just not into me watching. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was like 2001 or something. So whatever about that, he just looked over and he was like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> that was the end of it. And then I just, just got out of it then. And uh, I've just, I'm not back into it or anything like that, but I just messing around with the little fella uh, on the trampoline a lot lately and uh, trying, to, trying to teach him a few moves. Deadly. It could be well, you could well, be you could be like me and Danny. Me and Danny still have our Dusty Rhodes pajamas. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's it, man. That's it. I had an idea for a short story once where uh a bunch of lads would build a wrestling ring out in like rural tip. And uh it got dark after a while, but I did a lot of yeah. research into like how to build a wrestling ring. It's not fucking easy. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. No, there's a lot of maintenance to it, a load of YouTube videos, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, which yeah. Why did and, Why did you go down that route of of the research? Like, because I don't know why I had that idea, but I really I really had this idea of like a wrestling ring on fire out in a field that a bunch of lads had um, hurt one of themselves with, and the dad got real upset afterwards, and he burnt it down. I just this image of the of the wrestling ring burning that was in my head, so I wanted to make sure they're actually building the wrestling ring was was part of the story. Sorry, I'm gone, into, I'm gone into the writing bullshit already. Sorry, sorry. Have you read Paul O'Brien's books? No. Paul O'Brien is an author from Wexford and he wrote a, a fictional book on the professional wrestling scene. Um, oh my God. What, what was the book Lord, called again then? Lord Red Turns Dollar Green. <laughs> That's it, yeah. But as a result of that book, he got a lot of American professional wrestling stars, household names. Uh, he sent them books and to read books. And he's good friends with WWE superstar Becky Lynch. And wow. uh, she gave a great uh, recommendation on the book. And it just went, it spiraled like all the wrestlers were reading it, which nice. led Paul to being uh, approached by Jim Ross, good old JR, to be his ghostwriter for his autobiography. That is phenomenal. See, this is the yeah. thing. You don't hear about this stuff. Like, um, I think... Like a lot of the a lot of the writers you do hear about are kind of the ones that um, I guess they're literary fiction. They're the people that like get the nominated for the Booker and stuff. But like there is a lot of authors out there that that wouldn't be seen in the mainstream, but they've been incredibly successful. Like the guy who wrote Limitless, I think, is Irish. 
Um, is he? Yeah, and like <laughs> that's a movie and a TV show. Like I'm yeah, sure yeah. Um, he's he's quite successful. And like I've never heard of Paul O'Brien, and he sounds like a badass. Who yeah, I mean, Paul, we had, we had Paul O'Brien on the podcast. He's an absolute gentleman. But he's he wrote JR's first autobiography, and now he's writing in the middle of right. Oh no, it's been released. It was released about a month ago. JR's uh, second autobiography. That's madness. Yeah. Mental, isn't it? Just so I, random, something from Oxford. I uh, I just I have a Zoom with a bunch of writery friends, like maybe every two or three weeks over lockdown, and I usually come out of that with about ten books that I have to buy. But Jesus, that might be the quickest book recommendation I'm after getting. <laughs> that I want to read. Have, have you read um, Mick Foley's fictional book, Tied in Brown? I have it, but I've never read. I haven't read it, but I do have it. Someone got it for me as a gift. Brilliant. I bet it is. He's great on podcasts and stuff as well. Yeah, I've, I listened to a couple of Stone Cold's podcasts. Um, mm. This is not the road I thought we were going to go down. This what happens. A lot of people we have in this podcast say that. <laughs> well, I, I, um, back in Tip in like the 90s, like, geez, we were mad into it, like, because it was the only thing we had. <laughs> like, there was no internet. All there was was like, uh, we didn't even have pay per view. I remember there was times where we'd. Um, like me and my mate, James, like we'd be at his house and we'd be lis- literally listening to, do you know the way like Sky would have it all fuzzed out? Yeah. But yeah. you could listen to it. So it's like yeah. listening to a podcast of WrestleMania or whatever. But we, we literally didn't know how to order it. Like I remember. It was scrambled. It was all scrambled. Yeah. yeah. We, we literally didn't know how to, how to buy the phone. I listened day. to uh, the Royal Rumble in 1992 on that scramble when Ric Flair won it. Oh yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. That's, deep. That's, that's, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Paul, anyway, you're an author. <laughs> you've, Apparently, a, yeah. you've a great book. Thank you. <laughs> I do have a great is. book. So, yeah, can, so, can you tell this, us? Sorry, go on, Mara, go on. No, no, go on, Danny. I was just going to ask, Paul, is, is this your first book, Paul? Harrow Har- the Boys, it's called. Harrow the Boys. So it's, uh, it is my first published book. Yeah, I've had a, a good few stories in that um, published around... Ireland and Wales uh, in, in literary journals and that but this is my first like this is this is my first book this is my debut book yeah it was supposed to come out okay. on uh, June 2nd but you know the last 100 days have been a shit show so it didn't yeah. so they split the release we've got a digital release at the moment uh, and we are coming into you know all the big bookshops in September um, so I guess I'm just doing the rounds at the moment on digital piece to chat with people. I was on uh, a load of uh, Tipperary stations because it's set in Tipperary. Let's go back to that part. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, Harold the Boys is a story set in the Glen of Arlo in Tipperary. But the, I guess the twist is it's set in the future and the Glen of Arlo has been flooded. Um, it's really, really subtly a sci-fi story but i keep it to the i i I kind of i guess if i was to compare it to a sci-fi movie kind of like children of men to that kind of not really sci-fi but it is really but it's not really and it's very grounded so these lads uh live in a a settlement on the side of uh the glen called christ king um and they live in this kind of small community and they they make a living by going down into the flooded glen and kind of uh, kind of mining scrap and copper and scavenging from the Glen. And it, look, they make a living, but it's not great work. Um, and what happens is they get a job working for a, a, a 
corporate contractor in the summer and they decide, look, we'll go down one more time before we go and do a real job. And the story kind of follows that last trip into the Glen and what happens and things go very dark by the end. So right. That's all so, I'm telling. That, and good enough. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, wish all the best for it. Um, no, but the, <laughs> right, so you've... Um, like, like straight away so when, when you sent the stuff over to us and I was having a little read through it straight away I was pulled in by the kind of the, the element of things being flooded because obviously you know as Greta Thornburg is telling everybody there's a very real threat that you know parts of the world will be underwater in a relatively short space of time should climate change be anything to go by yeah so what kind of brought you down the path of thinking alright I'm going to go for this kind of thriller of you know a kind of semi-apocalypse state type thing happening in Ireland? Yeah, so, well, uh, yeah, there's a couple of bits there. So, yeah, funnily enough, Tipperary was flooded, the town was flooded for the first time ever, I'd say, uh, about four days ago. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> there was like, did you remember there was like all that thunder and lightning and big yeah. storms? Mm. Um, so, yeah, climate change. <laughs> Let's get into it. So, I guess my first idea was there was these protests happening down Tipperary around the time I was writing it in 2016, 2017 called uh, the March 4 tip. And it was sort of a case of everyone in Tipperary was kind of saying, why have the government abandoned us? Like there's a couple of huge corporations kind of sucking the town dry. Um, there's no jobs. I mean, I know people down Tip who you know, haven't worked in years who are the same age as me. Um, so I kind of had this idea for an abandoned town in Ireland and I knew that like I'm mad into this stuff anyway I'm mad into science fiction and I've mm. kind of been sneaking science fiction into my writing for years because uh, you don't see these kind of stories in Ireland that much like there's no films there's no tv shows really of our books there is a couple of books but for the most part there's not a lot of science fiction-y stuff out there so I knew I wanted to do something kind of grounded in reality I wanted one of the things about growing up in tip and growing up anywhere in the 80s and 90s and like even in Dublin like I mean watching films like Snapper and and all that like the, the key piece that you always take away was the humor uh, so I guess I wanted to explore how people when this happens when this climate kaleidoscope as as it's called happens uh, how people are going to adapt to it and there are Irish people still going to laugh and still going to go on as normal. And like, that's, it was really more about adapting to that happening. I kind of, it's like, it's almost an inevitability, this thing that's going to happen to the world. You know, I, short of restarting capitalism, like there's, there's not, if, if you're a believed scientist, there's not a ton we're going to be able to do to stop this thing from happening. We might be able to slow it down, but I mean, if you read, um, God, what's his name? The uh, Uninhabitable Earth, which is a terrifying book by an author that I cannot remember at the top of my up the top of my head, um, it, it will give you nightmares. I would recommend not reading that book. Read my book. <laughs> everyone, is, everyone, everyone is having a laugh in my book. If you read, if you read some of the, because I did read a couple of things, and I did, I did a lot of like looking at drone footage of. Um, flooded parts of Ireland. My mate Keith is a drone. He has a, a he's a drone operator and um, mm. he actually, his friend gave me a lot, gave me some of the footage for the book trailer. Um, and like, it's scary how quick Ireland can flood lads. Holy shit. 
like there are parts of Ireland that are like in Harrow Boys, like maybe once every two years. And um, this just kind of takes it to an extra, an extra level. Yeah. Uh, like, because I'm fascinated by kind of the, the thought process behind writing a book because I think oh, everybody yeah. at, everybody at some point in their life would like to think they have a book in them kind of thing or they get the idea of, do you know what, I'd love to write something. But to, to actually go and, and I know you said you kind of, you've done short stories, you've done other things and that kind of stuff, but to actually go and put like a novel together and then also to go into the sci-fi element. Like, so what kind of draws your inspiration in the sci-fi part of it? Right. Well, the first thing is, anyway, anyone can write a book. I got a D in my English in my leaving. So, mm. like, anyone can write a fucking book. If I, could, if I can do it, believe me, anyone can do it. Um, and I do think, so, like, growing up, right, we'll go, we'll go real deep. So, <laughs> so growing up, um, I was a very, like, into imagining things. I, I was really into, like, one story I was telling recently that's a bit mad is I had this imaginary friend when I was young. Mm. called um i was a very quiet kid and I, I grew up in a in a in a in a very um working class estate in tipperary town um and you know there was a lot of I, I didn't fit in fully i was a little bit uh i guess i was a little bit too quiet for uh some of the my friends in in the area so I did a lot of imagining. I was a very imaginative kid. And I had this imaginary friend when I was about eight or nine called Radical, which is sounds like a normal enough uh, name of, of an imaginary friend. But I, it was actually an acronym uh, for Radio Activated Digitally Intelligent Cooperative Artificial Life Form. And that was my imaginary friend when I was like eight years old. And what I would do is like, I had a bit of a bullying problem uh, in, in the area. So I, I, I would I would kind of go to bed early. I would throw the covers over my head and uh, I would imagine that I was like in a pod and there would be like all these screens in the pod. And I don't I don't know why, but I would just I would spend loads of time doing just just imagining stories and making up um, making up little adventures. I would have it that like when I went to bed at night, I would put the covers over my head. And in my imagination, when I woke up the next morning, I was in a different world. Yeah. Would so, you write these down? I didn't at the time, no, because I, 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 I couldn't. I never put it. T- I never put two and two together that that was a story. You know what I mean? I just thought it was a game, and like it got to the point where like I would have him in my ear walking around. So I would be walking or, or to school, and I would have it like I would pretend I was after making like an earpiece, and I would have an imaginary earpiece, and I would be walking to school. So I was a little bit mad, right, growing up. Um, but I would have these stories in my head all the time, and it would always be like like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be on. So I'd have to make up an episode of the Ninja Turtles uh, in my head and I would, whatever, I'd, I'd, I'd have the plot. And I think I just, um, I think I just got so used to building narratives in my head that I eventually kind of honed a craft I wasn't trying to, to hone. Um, that and like, we were just mad into like 80s and 90s movies growing up, like the, mm. the, the Matrix and The Crow and all these like cool... I just, I, I've never, I've never understood why in Ireland we didn't have these cool pieces of media because they were the coolest pieces of media. Like we, me and my friends would like, like we'd spend like fucking every Saturday night either watching wrestling or watching like, um, like Robocop. I mean, fucking hell, Robocop. I mean, come on. When you're in the, when you're in the, like, I remember, um, I literally remember my dad uh, got 
Robocop and I wasn't around, allowed to watch it. And I got up at like five in the morning because before I went to bed that night, I saw the fucking cover. If you remember the cover? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. come on. Half cop, half man or whatever. Fucking all <laughs> Robo legend. But I remember watching Robocop and just going, oh, what am I watching? This is unbelievable. And then like, I'd say my, myself and my, my mate James, I'd say we watched Terminator 2 150 times. So I was just mad into sci-fi growing up. And then I got into the books. I mean, the books are unbelievable. Some unbelievable sci-fi writers out there. Joe Haldeman's Forever War would be one of my favorites. Uh, Dan Simmons, uh, I was, uh, William Gibson, and K. Dick and all that. I was, I was just mad into that stuff. I was mad into, um, into, into creating worlds. And then when, when I got to about, I don't know. I met a I met a friend of mine who's a reasonably well known author now. I, we were working together in two thousand and six, uh, and I was writing music at the time, and I was kind of frustrated because I kept I kept wondering like every time I wanted to to write a song, I I need a new instrument. I never fucking time to learn a new instrument. I need a trumpet or I need a fucking this. And I just wasn't that good. And he was he was in love with books at the moment i mean like he was drunk on books and he just i just kind of inf- got infected by it and he gave me all these absolutely just mind-breakingly good books and uh he left and i just kept reading and reading and reading and then around 2010 i just started i said i, I just i remember being pissed off one day for whatever reason and uh i was up late and i just took out the laptop and started writing and that was 10 years ago and here I am took 10 years to get to get where I am talking to you lads when did you know the you know the way you, you say you know you put your your head under the duvet and you had all this imaginary world just to get out of the real world like th- when did that stop and then after it stopped, hadn't stopped hadn't? <laughs> <laughs> did you start being creative from your imagination as a teenager like yeah, yeah. So back to wrestling. Like I would be sitting, lads. I'd be sitting in school, which I was fucking vile at. Um, imagine <laughs> wrestling moves. I would like that would be like I just could not wait to go home, and my brother Dan do a wrestling move on him that I'd met up. Like even <laughs> now, I don't watch wrestling. I've no, I like I I don't know. Couldn't tell you what's going on with it, but I will still put in um, cutter style finishing moves into YouTube and watch what everyone's doing because I just I love the. It's like Tetris or something, trying to get the. <laughs> it's like ASMR or something. Um, See, so yeah, I love like uh, I I I've I've never lost that, and that kind of translated then over into video game stuff. I'm just a bit of a nerd. That's that's the long and short of it. I'm that's, a bit of a fucking nerd. That's all right, man. Nerds are cool in our books. Um, you know, I mean, nerds have given us some of the best things of the last fucking well forever, really. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's it. Like I. Like one of one of one of my best mates, uh, Owen Ward, would say he's class himself as a nerd as well. And I'd always say to him, I don't really like sci-fi. I don't. Really, but then he'd always go, Yeah, but you like this. And he'd say, Like you know, obviously, like the whole Marvel cinematic stuff. He, yeah, or know. Stranger Things. My wife Lindsay's the mm. same. She's like, I hate that sci-fi shit. And then she, she fucking loves Stranger Things. Yeah, and, and you, you just said, you said Terminator there a minute ago, and I'm like, Yeah, no, just sci-fi is just not for me. He's like, Man, you you watch Terminator? I'm like. Yeah, obviously it's fucking Terminator. Like, yeah, right. exactly. And it's just it's it's little things like that. I think sometimes people don't realize. I think when when people think sci-fi, sometimes to go straight to say like a Battlestar Galactica or, or one of those is a little bit further out there. In yeah, terms of its nerdiness or whatever, and it's that rein it back in for a second and just strip it back to. Like, think just, like Warhammer Five Thousand or whatever. 
Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, I actually don't know what that is. But yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, love yeah, that. No, I, I totally agree with you, lads. I, sorry, go on, go on, Graham. No, I was gonna say, um, any like, there's always like a, a quirky side to an author that we've had on before, like one of our friends, Paul Howard, who obviously created Russell Carroll Kelly. When he was right, like he did, he had no uh, third level education, and he, from an early age of 13, 14, uh, all the shows, teens, he was just writing reviews and stuff. But his imagination at like 17 or something, he wrote uh, an episode of Only Fools and Horses. Oh, sad. Um, I did not know that. Mm. Yeah, he sent, no, no, when I say he wrote it, he wrote it at home, amateur style. He sent it to the creator, John Sullivan. And John Sullivan wrote back to him and 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 gave him a like a review of it and say maybe I wouldn't do this with Rodney but maybe you could do this. And, Savage. How you know, much of a legend is John Sullivan? Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like and, and Paul Paul got a, a reply for that. So like it's 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 always quirky to see. It's always interesting about authors about in their teens what they did in terms of the creative flow and like how they got their imagination going and stuff. Like I remember at an early age watching watching shows and, and movies and stuff. I remember watching He-Man and I remember watching, what was oh, that yeah. Christopher Bale uh, new Empire of the Sun, is it? Empire of the Sun, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching all these and then also the correlation of watching professional wrestling where uh, at the main event, most of the time there was a happy ending. Yes. I remember thinking, oh, this is brilliant. I love this. And then I remember thinking, oh, there wasn't a happy ending on, at the end of this wrestling show. Why didn't Hulk Hogan come out and make a save? I would have made Hulk Hogan come out with this. Yes, card, you know that's, that's the and that's like that's the I know you know when people are like oh it's fake, it is fake. But like that's the awesome part. Like that's the yeah. part that's deadly. It's creative or or it used to be anyway. Again, I I don't know what it's, it's about anymore. But. but but that's it. But it is. Yeah, it's, but it's like a TV show. It's like you're writing a TV it's show. Yeah, it's it's storytelling. Yeah, story yeah. Like like for me, I like. The, the whole and it's weird. This is gonna probably turn into a fucking wrestling podcast. And I, I'd be similar to you, Paul. Now, in, in kind of recent years, I've dipped in and out a little bit more because Merrow has kind of told me bits that are going on. I'm like that sounds interesting. Or we've had kind of like when, when we were growing up, there was no Irish people. You wouldn't ever imagine a kind of you know a WWE champion being from Ireland. Like, and since then we've had Seamus, Finn Balor, and uh, Becky Lynch. Yeah, yeah, like uh, that's almost got me into when I saw Finn Balor, especially. I was like, "Wait a minute, now this guy yeah. is cool looking." <laughs> yeah, his fucking yeah. finisher is called like Bloody Sunday or something, or it used to be. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the this is phenomenal." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So and that's like, and that's what I'm saying. So little things like that. I was like, "Hang on, if 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 you know, 10, 11, 12 year old Danny was watching wrestling, these guys were in it. Like I'd a hundred percent be like you were saying, building a wrestling ring out in the back garden. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother be knocking lumps out of each other, all those kind of yeah. things. But like for me, like even now looking back on it, some of those kind of that that storytelling mode and all that. Like I can remember that whole. Do you remember? Uh, it was late nineties, I'd say. That whole uh, Undertaker storyline and Vince McMahon being the higher power. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Like that storyline sticks with me now, and I'm like, John, oh, I was that was fucking class, lads. <laughs> John, I mean, like, some of some of it was like unbelievable. Like, oh, lads, I I can't believe this. I just cannot believe I'm talking about wrestling. But anyway, <laughs> uh, power of the boys in store. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't worry, we will keep looping back to that. Don't worry. <laughs> but but, um, but even 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 Paul the Finn Balor character, like you were saying, uh. Like he is, he is, uh, and has a, a sci-fi alter ego. Yes, you know, he has demon, like a devil or know? something, right? Yeah, yeah. But like that's, and I mean, 
like a lot of literature, a lot of, I won't go into it too deep, but a lot of literature has that in it, like stuff that you wouldn't maybe think of. Like, I mean, Finnegan's Wake by Joyce is like absolutely mental and has sci-fi elements into it, in it, like even in terms of its structure, it's supposed to be like, some people call it three-dimensional prose and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's, there's like, it's so ingrained in us. And I think there's kind of been this kind of snobbishness about that kind of entertainment, even though it's like, it's the, it's the, like, James Cameron had the biggest movie in the world for so long. It was like a sci-fi movie. And mm. there's a lit, there's a little bit of snobbery around. I won't even call it science fiction, but like speculative fiction. Uh, every, I don't know what it is, um, but I know I fucking love it. And <laughs> talking about wrestling, I was watching when, oh, that's, talk about my mind blowing. The night that Vince McMahon came out, and WCW appeared on the screen. Yeah. The Titantron. Oh, I was sitting in my sister's bedroom in a fucking, uh, looking at a, a TV that is the same size as this monitor and about eight times the weight. <laughs> and my dad had gone to bed, probably half locked. And when these lads came, when, when they cut to WCW and it was WCW wrestlers on the fucking Titantron, I, sc- I screamed. I punched the ceiling. I couldn't believe it. It was like it was after it was like DC. It was like Batman after dropping into fucking Spider-Man's yes. universe. It was like, what is happening? <laughs> it was there was so much going on. It was like Vince McMahon's ego, the character of it. Uh, and real life. <laughs> and real life. It was like, where the fuck is reality? This is when reality started. This is when fake news and reality started dissolving like a fucking disparate uh, in front of us. <laughs> yeah. It was because of Vince McMahon. <laughs> There's a great episode of a podcast uh, of Audio Lab where they like it's just it's a science um, podcast kind of, mm. and they literally do an episode about the the, the screw job the the, the, the man- Montreal screw the job. Montreal yeah. screw job where they talk about kind of like the reality and the the dissolving of reality and how it's malleable yeah. based on what we're talking about. So like. See, this isn't yeah. baby stuff. It, it's yeah, yes, it's baby stuff, but it's not baby stuff. There's, there's. Have like you watched Dark Side of the Ring, Paul? I might have. I might be getting confused it's, between it's that. In two, it's in two seasons on Vice, and they they do basically. It's a, like a retrospective look at the dark side of professional wrestling. So, uh, they covered the Montreal screw screw job, um, in the latest season. It just ended maybe in May, April, May. And they covered the death of Owen Hart. And oh wow! They spoke. They spoke to his wife, and it's the first interview that the wife has conducted in years. But they're all, they're all crazy stories. Like, and you know, there's a lot of like they they covered one, um, and you're just getting the creative flow and the creative process where there was a breakdown in communication. And then one of the professional wrestlers would hold Vince McMahon up to ransom. I'm not going out there unless my ID is gone and Vince has already promoted him to, to show up. So he ends up having to give him money. Like it's just all those creative flows that don't go your way. Yeah. Like and that, that sounds just, it, awesome. It literally is the dark side of professional wrestling. But Danny, you watched them, didn't you? I did. I did. I loved them. And like, and like that, I think like, because everyone knows that wrestling is, you know, predetermined and that, you know, like the lads know who's going to win going in and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's the nuance of the storytelling. That's amazing to me. And even, even now, like I'm fucking 32 years of age 
and like that, that behind the curtain stuff and understanding mm. how the story is being told and how the story is being put together. And it's being weaved week by week into this kind of climax at, you know, a WrestleMania. Like they're professional or, TV writers doing that. Like, yeah, they're actually yeah. professional TV writers doing it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I have you seen what's the other one? The one is it like behind the mass or beyond, beyond, the, mass? beyond, the, beyond mass. the mass? Beyond the mass. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that that I I definitely saw that. That's a that's a that's a good documentary, it's no matter. Resting with shadows as well. Yeah, and I haven't seen the resurrection of Jade the Snake. It's oh, brilliant. it's excellent. It's did you ever see Louis Theroux when he goes to the WCW power plant? I think I did, but again, like, and he tries to say it's it's fake, and they absolutely go crazy at him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, do you think like like that? Obviously, growing up, you know, you're. you're if you're kind of watching wrestling and it's forming part of your kind of culture as you're in your formative years and all that, like that obviously is going to give you tools in terms of say like character formation, character development when you go to right then, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years later. So there's a couple of things there, right? So one of the reasons when you're doing this that you need to read a lot is because not only do you need to see what's good out there. And I do that. Like that's one of the kind of ways I, I hope I taught myself how to do this because again, I didn't have a third level education. I didn't go, mm. didn't get an MFA or anything like that. Um, is you need to know what's, I don't want to say bad, but you need to know what you like and what you don't like. And you need to, I always, I always sort of think of it as to get like that little diamond to come out the end of the machine. You have to put like just an enormous amount of media into the top of it, mm. you know? Um, so I would like, even if, I, t- I can't remember who it was. It might be Chuck Palahniuk who said uh, that we talked about media. So he, we have, like, me, you, and Graham, like, we've seen more media in our lifetimes than, you know, the entire history before. Yeah. Uh, like, we've probably seen more in the last year than the entire history before. Um, so whether you know it or not, you're learning what good and bad storytelling is on a daily basis. You're, you're learning it from watching soccer. Like, I mean, you can assign narrative to football. I mean, the Man United just won 3-0 there. And, like, you can assign whatever narrative you want to that. If they're the bad guys or the good guys, depending on uh, who you're supporting. But, like, it, it definitely, whether it, whether it was all good, now I don't know, but it definitely uh, helped my sensibilities and honed my sensibilities and uh, I, I definitely think the tools of cinema are ones I started using early on because I came to writing quite late. Mm. Um, you were talking about He-Man there a while ago. Like one of the first story, I, I self-published a book back in, in in like 2012 just to just to see what what I, just see if what the story was. Is I had this this kind of book that I just started writing, uh, and it was basically inspired by movies that I loved in the 80s and. I loved um, the He-Man movie, <laughs> big time. Love I don't know that. what it was about the '80s, man, and these like <laughs> Narnia ripoffs that were awesome. Um, now I'm sure if you watch it now, it's absolute dog shit. But it, it used certainly... to be on the BBC every Christmas. The second part of Christmas holidays used to always be on. We didn't have the BBC down tip. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be on the coast for that, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good like like that and what other movies were basically the Chronicles of Narnia but done differently. Labyrinth. 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 
Uh, Labyrinth, I watched it recently with my eldest. It doesn't hold up as well as I thought it was. I wouldn't imagine. I think a lot of people give Labyrinth that, you know, nostalgic rose-tinted glasses kind of look because Bowie's in it. Because Bowie's in it and it's Jim Henson. And, like, everybody fucking loves Jim Henson and rightly so. But, like, technically it's amazing. Like, and now I will say, when I say it doesn't stand up, it it doesn't stand up, like, narratively. There's no story that that I could Mm. put together. But, like, there's chase scenes and stuff with, like, uh, with, like, puppets on horseback and stuff. And, like, full villages and shit. And it's, it's, it's technically wizardry. But, uh... That that still happens. Once upon a time in Hollywood, there was fuck all story and that from what I watched... Anyway, but that it, was an amazing movie, and I'll fight you for it. No, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but I like I I enjoyed it, and then when I thought of it, I was like, is it kind of like an hour and a half of just Brad Pitt driving around, and in the last fifteen minutes, mad shit happens? That's right. Yeah. And do you know what? <laughs> I'm not saying I love I enjoy that. that. I'm not I wanted another three that. hours of him driving around because I felt like I was in Grand Theft Auto. Like, do you know the best parts in Grand Theft Auto where you're like the music is playing. It's pissing rain. I love when it rains in Grand Theft Auto. Uh, and you're just driving around on your way to a mission and you're, you're not doing anything. You're just sort of existing in the world. I love that. I fucking love that. I want that all day and night. My wife hated it. Um, <laughs> but I, I love that movie. That was one, that's one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Really? Yeah, it is. And I love them all. Like, I love all no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I went to the cinema to see it. And there was a scene with Brad Pitt in the car and it was just going on. And on, oh yeah, keep on, going. And on. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Like, like I get the narrative here, but just like, come on. And yeah. um, speaking of like the the, you were saying there about the drone for the promo. Yeah, uh, the promo was absolutely sensational. Like it's I've cool. never seen something like that for a book. Yeah, so the the promo, um, again because we split the release, uh, we said right, we better put some effort into this promo. So I um. The music in it is awesome. It's Idols. Uh, I reached out to Joe from Idols on Instagram and basically asked him, can I use the song? And he said, uh, here, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. Just speak to my manager. So I spoke to the manager and he put me in touch with um, the record company. And yeah, we got it. And it, like, it's mad. Like everything we put it on, it gets taken down. Because like, are you sure you're allowed to use this music? Um, but the, 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 the song and the footage... Um, and everyone just marries together. It looks, it's cool. I, I, I really fucking love the, 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 the promo. Yeah. It's well, what went into it? Huh? What, like, what, what, why? I just, I've never seen anything for like that for a book. So, did, did you produce and direct it, or what, what was the story there? No. So there's like, there is, oddly enough, there are book trailers. Um, but oh, usually, wow. yeah, no, there is. There's loads. Um. It's fairly normal, but basically what it is now, at the moment, it's mostly just a picture of the cover and a little bit of dreamy music. Or It's usually, the, that's the, about the long and short of it, but uh, there's certainly trailers out there that are like more like movie trailers. And I kind of, I've, you know, the pub, my publisher has been really good, Maverick House. They've kind of trusted me a lot um, when I've asked for stuff and I've asked nicely. Uh, and... Yeah, I think we were all sort of on the same page. We wanted something cool for this because it's different, and uh, it, I, I like it's 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 it's. I think it's just it's stock footage and bits of. Um, oh God, I'm, let me just find a girl's name who did it. Leosa, I can't remember her second name, but uh, we we used a, 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 a one of the girls in the publishing 
uh, in Maverick House Coliosa, and she just did she just did an amazing job. Like it's it's ridiculously good for a book trailer. I would I yeah, it is brilliant. How what what was because you have hadn't had anything else published? What's the process like with the publishing company, like the publishing house? How do you approach them? Like so, it's a weird story. So like I was I when I wrote Harrow, um, like I, I did not think it would get published because it was it is what it is. Um, it it just there isn't that many books like it out there at, in t- in terms of like genre and stuff. So what I was doing was I I, I was I, I had actually planned on writing like a series of short story a short story collection that had like a kind of some more subtle story. Like I had a story in it that's uh, of like an, a post apocalyptic Dublin. Not really post-apocalyptic, but basically what it was was uh, you know the Sahara sand that lands on uh, our cars every couple of mm. years. That yeah. had been that had been irradiated and it had slowly spread across Europe and it was going on to into Dublin, and so the cancer rates had gone up and uh, so that that was and Dublin had like some people had stayed, some people had left, and people had kind of come back in and people just kind of got used to it and they just started getting cancer and blah blah blah. Those are the kind of stories. Uh, I had one set there, I had another one set in Tip, and I was going to kind of interconnect them all. They were going to be at different stages of the future, um, and that was going to be the book. So, about I did start. I started noticing then that they were also the short stories I was not getting published in the uh, in the journals. I was getting ones that were more subtly speculative. Um, I, like I, I, like I said, I snuck a lot of the of the, of the science fiction into man, nearly all the stories I've been published. Um, so I said, right, I'm not going to be. This isn't going to be getting published. So what I did was I came up with another idea for a not mad book, but still a bit mad, set in Tipperary in 1979. It's kind of it's kind of like a true detective kind of a vibe to it. Mm. Um, so I was writing that. And I was flying through it. I was about halfway through it, and because I had no more short stories, I they say I don't know where I read it once, but someone said you should aim for like a hundred rejections a year. So I had nothing to be rejected. So I just kept sending Harold the boys out, um, wow. and I kind of just got better at the submission letters. Um, I think submission letters are a huge part of it, like your tone in it, um, and if you can get across that you're not a dickhead, uh, I think it helps. Uh, so I was sending it out, and I had gotten actually, I I I I knew that it was. Like it was possibly not a bad story because, like, even the people who were rejecting were like, "Well, this is good. It's not really. Uh, could you switch it to be young adult? Maybe could you make the people maybe there's a, there's a little bit of violence near the end. Could we maybe do that?" So I knew that there was a little bit more interest than I thought there would be, but I didn't think I still didn't think it would be published. And then finally, uh, Maverick House, who were the lads behind the Siege of Jadaville, and uh, Prayer Before Dawn, which is an absolutely awesome movie with uh, Joe Cole from uh, what's the what are, uh, what's the name of the thing? Oh, Gangs the, of London, is it? No, the, he actually yeah, he is in Gangs of London, but I think of the Piggy Blinders. Um, oh, yeah. What's Gangs of London like actually? Is that good? I didn't like it. I, I le- yeah, I, three episodes. I left it after four. It. Episode four, I was gone. That was it. it, it I thought the acting was shit. I thought there was just elements of it, like. Um, there was a character in, I can't remember his name now, but he was in like some hellish fight scenes that were stabbed in the arm, you yes. know, and Sold. like the next day, <laughs> the next day he's just walking down the street as if nothing's happened to him and things like that annoy me. 
Yeah, I love like the the raid and the raid two are awesome though, and that's the same director, isn't it? It's Garrett. Ennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, where was I? Yeah. So anyway, I was um, uh, so these guys, so this these guys got back to me, and they were like, and like they got back to me like pretty fast. Like I've I've submitted tarot to places like two years ago, and they still haven't got back to me. Um, but these guys came back relatively quickly, and they were like, uh, yeah, a couple of us have read it. Um. We've two. We've a few more people who are going to read it the weekend. Um, we'll get back to you. And that kind of an email is like you. You don't even know what to do with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right. So then on the Monday, uh, the main guy asked, would he? Could I meet him in? Um, could I meet him in town? Uh, and I did. And he said, look, I was on holidays at the week at the weekend, and I brought a lot of books with me, and I ended up reading your thing, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I, we want to publish it, and blah blah blah. blah. So. I guess that was the that was the process of it. Like it, it's it, with this thing, it's it's really really slow, and then it all happens at once. I'm told, and that was my experience as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's the process, or certainly my process of it. Uh. And after that, then I just worked uh, with Leosa again, the girl who did the trailer. She helped me edit it a little bit, and uh, yeah, it was just a relative, like a very easy, a very easy process. And they were super. Like I got to pick. The, I really love the book cover. And I got a lot of input into that, which I'm told isn't always the case. Uh, yeah, it's it's been an amazing experience, man. Absolutely. Would, would you hope for it to be uh, adapted into a movie, or do you do you care? You don't you don't did you didn't re, you didn't write it with that in mind, did you? Or well, no. But like as we were saying earlier, it's um, I ha- a lot of the tools I have are from film. I think uh, I think it's Kevin. I think it's I keep saying it, but I think it was Kevin Barry. I, I watched a talk on who talked about like how you know there's nothing to be ashamed of to have those tools because there's some amazing films out there you know yeah. um and i definitely wrote it with like i wanted people to read bit to enjoy it who who mightn't love this kind of stuff like if you do read it it it's very like it's very grounded and I I I I almost think I tricked the publisher into like he he I don't think he knew what he was reading until about a point happens about halfway through where you're, you're kind of like this could be like even the technology I have in it is really really like 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 the guy like the main character has a prosthetic arm and like it's 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 a little bit more advanced than what is there at the moment. Metal Gear Solid style. Yes, Metal Gear Solid style. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yes, Metal Gear Solid style. I'll take that. Um, and it's 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 not it's like it's 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 just it's hyper real. It's I I kind of met it so like someone a little like in their forties or fifties who you know could be self serious or whatever could still get a lot out of it and enjoy it. I I, I kind of wrote it for those people who's, who like your mate is like I hate sci fi but he loves the Terminator. Or watches Stranger Things or something like. So I didn't make it too spaceshipy. I yeah, guess that's the way yeah. to say it. So you've you've mentioned that kind of with you know like like everything COVID has you know played havoc on it. This split released in so the the digital versions for so that's for the guys who you know are the Kindle readers and all that kind of thing. Yeah. They, they 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 can pick it up now, can they? Yeah. So you can search Harold the Boys uh, on Amazon, Google iTunes, you can download it on a Kindle, or you can download it on a lot of people have asked me this, but you can actually just you you know you can you can you can read like digital books on your laptop on your phone. Mm. Uh, you just just a Kindle app that you can use. Um, 
yeah, so you can you can pick it up now. Yeah, and then uh, if you're if you're a bit like me and you prefer an actual book in your paw, then yeah. it's going to be September. September second, fingers crossed, unless something changes with uh, restrictions and all that kind of stuff, and bookshops close again. But yeah, I, I, to be honest, even then, I think it'll be out. It'll, you'll be able to buy it physically on Amazon. Yeah, it uh, got shipped. I don't like committing to anything at the moment. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> it's brutal. How have Absolutely. you got on with this, lads? How have you been surviving? Yeah, like it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, I, I was, I was working in Dublin, living in Port Leash, so I was doing a commute every day. And uh, I convinced myself that it was normal and it was fine. And uh, lockdown has taught me it was a pile of shite and I don't want to go back to doing that. I bet you've <laughs> saved a shit ton of money just from, from the you commute. Know, uh, yeah, like it's... Like, look, t- touch wood, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, very unfortunate and there's things that haven't gone their way and one thing and the other. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I've, uh, my job hasn't been impacted, my partner's job hasn't been impacted. So, you know, thankfully we're just quietly... Yeah, li- living a life, and so far nobody that we know has been, uh, you know, hurt or or we, we haven't lost anybody because of the virus or whatever. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just... same here. Thank Christ, my like my grandmother is is very like high risk, and mm. uh, she has been. We we down a tip. We have her like in. She she barely saw the outside. She barely saw the sun for about seventy days. Yeah, uh, yeah. but the same same here. Like it, my wife's job was very touch and go there for a little while very touch and go but thankfully um, my my day job i can do i can work i can i can work remote thankfully yeah um, yeah. and this isn't your day job obviously you, no, you, no, no 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 we're just two chancers we've been doing this, this for five years now so you don't have like rogan money around yet not yet <laughs> no we we were offered it but we said joe needs it more than we do he does uh, god bless him Fuck's sake! Although the, yeah, last, the last the last two or three weeks, actually, I've kind of started craving for some normality. To be honest, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, oh, geez, I wouldn't mind going to a football match. I wouldn't mind going to the picture. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind just doing normal things and going yeah, out. I hear you. I hear you. I, I don't. I don't mind the pubs necessarily. Like you know, it doesn't. I don't think that aspect of it really bothers me. But I think it's live sport and entertainment and, and shit like that that's kind of like oh just just give me something to do like you know yeah, I've, no, I've been working from home now since probably valentine's week i think same here um, I think. yeah, yeah same so I'm, I'm actually craving a bit of the office now as well Um, to be you, honest you, you forget like how much of your day is like having a laugh with people in work or you yeah. know enjoying other people's company or uh in my case, I have three kids under seven, so like, like sorry to hear that. <laughs> they're great, <laughs> but like, you miss like on a, every second or third Saturday, there's a new animated movie out, and I bring the two eldest down, and like, it kind of became a bit of a ritual. Uh, mm. And like with the playgrounds and everything closed, it was like the poor kids. Like my my eldest got mad into Fortnite in lockdown. With his cousins, his cousins are like uh, the same age. They're both. They're all seven, six and seven ish. Yeah. And uh, we thought, oh great, he's getting into Fortnite. Fair enough. And now <laughs> our routine is, you might notice, like this. This wallpaper isn't my pick. This is. I'm. I'm at my. <laughs> I had a quarter to a quarter to eight. I had to jump in the car and come over to my parents in laws because my kids were losing their mind at home. Um, <laughs> and now my little fella, my my youngest. Uh, set will be up at five um my eldest will be up with him 
because he can't wait to get up to start playing with his his cousins, who he then skypes at about six o'clock, and they're just screaming at each other. Just two sitting rooms, and like they're in Greystones, and we're in um, we're in Ballantyre, and like I'm just listening to someone else's kids screaming <laughs> at my kid for like until about until about quarter to nine when they have to go to um, to their minders or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's been intense. The last hundred days have been intense. We've three kids in the house. It's uh, you you do crave just just even to commute. Like I I like I I would I love just listen to an audiobook walking to work or whatever. And you, and you do kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I went to I was in I was in Dundrum today for the first time since okay. lockdown, and uh, that was a that was even a welcome kind of bit of reality or normality. I mean, the food court or nothing has uh, has reopened yet, but still the shops were open and, you know, everyone was respectful of space and stuff like that. And it did kind of bring like, oh, geez, I'm, I'm parking in the car park. I'm, I'm paying for the, the parking ticket. You know, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed that bit of freedom, I have to say. Yeah, there's, like... There's, sorry, go on, Paul. Go on. No, no, I was just talking shite. Go on. <laughs> I, well, listen, I'm going to talk shite. That's all I do. So. Let's hear your shite. <laughs> I was, was going to say, in a weird way, like, and, and like that, going, trying to, you know, fucking loop back to kind of the sci-fi thing and all that, like, for years, like, me and, and some of your mates and work and all that, we'd, we'd pass hours and work by talking about, like, you know, if a zombie apocalypse ever hit, what would you do kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, in a weird fucking way, this has been kind of the closest we'll probably get to some sort of zombie apocalypse where you, you're afraid to go out because the people out there are going to fucking infect you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Dundrum there, Merlo. You you couldn't give me enough money to go to Dundrum, like, you know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> like, I hate Dundrum at the best of times, but in the middle of a global pandemic where, you know, I'm just like, no, no, I'll chill. I'm good. Amazon will bring it to me. I'm good. Yeah. Lads, when I first came up to Dublin, again, going back to the being an absolute, you know, maniac would imagine stuff. Like, I used to be walking around Jervis. Like, Jervis Centre, to me, was, like, the ultimate, like... Oh, that is a zombie apocalypse, to be fair, yeah. But, like, just from the building itself, like, there's, like, two walkways, that, or it used to be. I haven't been in there in years, but there was two walkways there, and I just I just remember having nothing to do one day. I was just sitting there reading a book or something in Jervis Centre, and I was, like, imagining, like, oh, this was, like in a zombie apocalypse like there's two there's two walkways i think and if you took the two walkways out you would just have a perfect like you'd have the food court and all upstairs yeah. and like you wouldn't have to come down i used to love those um i used to love, i loved the uh what was the Zack snyder one was it world war z world war z was decent but the the dawn of the dead one Oh yeah, yeah, with the yeah, giant yeah. cash at the start and like yeah, that's right. Yeah, the man comes around us playing. Your man's yes, shooting. That is, yeah, that is, awesome. that, is that was brand. Actually. I think that yeah. came out around the time, and uh, uh, I was thinking that going to going around Jervis. Fucking <laughs> 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 wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff you do. Like that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff you do. Like yeah, and that's what that's where the ideas kind of come from, I guess. And everyone does it. I'm sure you do it as well. You just said it that you would be thinking about zombie yeah, apocalypse. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like that's. Do, do, you, do you have future ideas ready? You know, uh, Paul to go like. Yeah, I've, I've lo- I'm going to do a sequel to Harrow, which I'm kind of scared about. Um, but uh, I'm doing a sequel to Harrow. I'm doing. Oh God, be careful now! I don't give all of these ideas away. But I have. Um... <laughs> Meryl, get the pen ready. Get the yeah. pen ready. Yeah, yeah, the pen's ready. I have a couple of like I have. Um, I have a I have a hundred and fifty thousand word mad sci-fi thing on this laptop that will never probably see the fucking light of day. 
but at the time I loved it. It was a, it was a cool idea where um, someone goes into outer space and they're, uh, they're they, it was after watching the fucking movie Prometheus. I was so angry after watching it. I was like, how <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the fucking ideas are from seeing stuff and going, how would I do that? It's yeah. the same as like watching the Teenage Mutant Turtles or, or, your friend only Paul, horses, yeah. uh, or only fools and horses. You're like, how would how would I do that? Um, so I just thought, all right, okay, this is my version, uh, and a lot of the stories that I come up with are, what is my version of this? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool idea where where a girl goes to outer space. They have to go into hyperspace, like you know this thing where people go to sleep inside in fluid. So. Something goes wrong with hers and she ends up dreaming. You're not supposed to dream in this universe. And she has a child in the dream. And so when she wakes up, the, the child is gone. So it take it took like 50 years to go to space to get to this planet. Um, and when she wakes up, the, the, the child has, has evaporated. But in her mind, she has lived through that time. Um, so it's about her coming through the trauma of that. And then a load of other mad shit happens. Uh, so I have that. I have Secret of Harrow. I have this novel set in uh, uh, this kind of detective story. I have another detective story I want to write. Um, I, have a, I have a Western I want to try. Yeah, I've got, I've, yeah I've got a, an idea for a Western I'd like to give a go All right. at some point. Any children's stuff? I have an idea. <laughs> you could ask. You could just say that all day, and I, I probably have something. So I had an idea for... <laughs> for a for a kid story but i think it's a little bit too dark it's about like a little robot a little a little robot that uh it's like a nightlight kind of a robot thing that helps but it, it's it, it's in so far in the future that even those small little things are are, are really smart and uh the child gets um abducted <laughs> so like i said straight away it's not really for children <laughs> and, and then you the, the story is fi- is following this this uh this little this little um guide robot trying to find trying to figure out what happens. And I think in the, in my idea of it, the story would be like, um, you don't re you don't realize that the child has been abducted because it's, it's told through like a, a kind of a dreamy child, childish way. You don't realize till the end that that's what's happening. You think it's just like an adventure, this little robot's mm-hmm. happening. It's probably too dark. I don't know. Probably a little bit too dark. We'll leave that could, one. But... It, it could be one of those classic things where like, you know, to, to, to a, to a younger audience they just pick up on the adventure element but the parent reading it is like oh shit you know yeah i, mean? I love like, that I, that i mean when we were young that that was kids movies yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah like now it's 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 the the adult like the the kind i guess the adult part is like it's all in the humor and stuff and all in the the, the references but back then i mean fucking yeah. watership down and oh jesus uh <laughs> watership down messed me up bad when i saw it <laughs> I still, I still think about that fucking rabble with the blood in his mouth. Um, but yeah, like, what else? I don't know. There was a lot of dark shit when we were young. Yeah, yeah, sure have to. What is it? All those, like, Disney stuff that's based on Hans Christian Andersen, all them are fucking super dark, really. Like, super yeah. mad. And, like, uh, an American tale with the cats. Brilliant. Yeah. Holy Jesus, the subtext going on there is 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 mental. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I would I I have a couple of ideas for kids ones and they don't all involve true detective style shit. <laughs> they don't would all go to your, uh, Would you get your kids input on it? Um, no, no, because he just want me to write for. I actually what we did the other day as a as an exercise. Um, 
we literally ran out of stuff to do but we got like uh, a tree a piece of cardboard and we folded in a tree and we i just said look right this is the first act this is the second act this is the third act and um i i think i saw it on instagram or someone someone doing it but we uh we we, we mapped out a fortnight story because like for a, a maddeningly enough Fortnite is actually quite complex like narratively there's like lots of stuff happening in it um they have all these like superhero stuff happening and mm. events and shit so anyway there's this character in it called Midas and he, we, we wrote a whole story about um what what this lad was getting up to and so I am trying to get him into it a little bit but like he's not as interested in the uh in reading it uh, he's, he's very good at it but he's not as it's not as imaginative. My, my, my little girl, Willow, is, is super imaginative. Um, but no, uh, I, I, I'd be afraid to get her input. It'll probably, she'll probably take over. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Paul, look, man, it's, uh, I know we've kind of meandered all over the place with the topic, but that's the nature of what we do on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but, like, definitely, I know I'm going to pick up a copy of this Um and I hope that, you know, come September, everything goes to plan for you and that kind of thing. Uh, but if people want to hear more from you, like, can they get you on social media and all those kind of things? Yeah, I'm, uh, just look for Paul White, TWHR on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Goodreads is the place to go, obviously. Uh, you can find me there, Paul White, W-H-Y-T-E. Yeah, come, come follow. Excellent. Chat. Deadly. Love it. People not to ask me what the title means. And I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> to be honest with you, I hadn't really, I hadn't really dawned on me that you know there might be something behind the title. But it's it's a uh, it's from Bula Vogue, the Rebel song. Ah, I don't know it. Oh, you Bro. have to listen to this. Uh, you don't know Bula Vogue? No, oh I'm, not a, I'm not. A big, I'm not. I'm not big on Rebel tunes, to be honest. I'm oh, not. neither am I. It's just it's a yeah. it's a big it's a big it's my dad's one of my dad's favorite songs. Ah, okay. I have a couple of pints tonight and put on like. Yeah, flying column or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, usually speaking, when when those kind of things happen, it's it, it's hard to, to not declare war on your neighbours across the, the RC there. Yeah. But um, yeah, now <laughs> Harlow the Boys is the book. It is available digitally, and it'll be out September then. Um, if you're like me and you want to pick up a physical copy, but Paul, thanks for me for joining us, man. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, lads. I really appreciate it. Thanks, really Paul. Really Thank you. Best of luck with everything. Enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always love when we get any of the authors that we've had in this podcast. I always love hearing that kind of thought process and that kind yeah. of piece around how they go from an idea in their head to putting something on paper or on a laptop or whatever, and yeah. and bring and bringing a story to life. Like, absolutely, yeah. That's what I enjoyed. Like, even I when he was saying when he was uh, small and you know to get away from the real world he'd just go under the covers and his creative mind would go crazy like to even think of that when you're eight or nine or ten or eleven twelve whatever age it's just it's like it's just so fascinating yeah yeah that's it i, lo- I loved like i don't know just the, the way people's brains work just fascinate me do you know what i mean because like stuff that like i'd never think about something like that and in hearing other people saying that's it i'd be like how did you do it? Like, how would you get, to, like, because I can't, do you know what I mean? Obviously, I think differently. So, therefore, my brain, you know, thinks in dots and dashes. Their brain thinks yeah, in, like, yeah, fucking yeah. stereo surround sound, a multicolor kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Paul White was the author. Harrow, the boys, is the book. Uh, give it a give it a look if you're on Kindle or if you're on digital or whatever, lads, or 
if you want to wait till September, make a note of it. And uh, yeah, upcoming Irish author, Irish sci-fi isn't isn't major as he said. So you know this could be uh, this could be to start something good from. So fair play, Paul. Really enjoyed that, and best of luck with it. Thanks, Paul, for coming on. Yeah, uh, that's it though. WTS two hundred eight done and dusted. And if people want to listen to the two hundred and seven plus episodes that preceded this, Graham, where can they do so? They can listen on WTSPod.com or they can go to any podcast provider and search WTS Pod. We're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Podbean, Podcast Republic, Stitcher. Anywhere you can get a podcast, you can get us in it. Danny on Twitter is at Danjo Murray. I'm on Twitter at Marigamania. We're at WTS Pod on Twitter also. And that's it, Danny. Until next week. It is. Just very quickly before we go, just want to say best of luck and, and fair play to John Ross Crangle, friend of the show. Um, he, he was on the show, she's probably over two years ago now, was it? Probably even more. Yeah, well, we're five years yeah. old this week, Danny. But that's true, we are, yeah. Five Happy years. birthday to us. Happy birthday, indeed. Um, but yeah, he's he's doing uh, he's doing a charity pitch and pull challenge for our friends in the, the amazing Suicide or Survive um, if, if you haven't already jump onto JR's social media um, I don't think there's too many JR crankles out there I don't know what his actual handle is but I'm sure you'll find him fairly easily lads give him a bit of support give him a bit of love uh, we, we love him and we love our suicide to survive do match made in heaven if you ask me Deadly. until That's next it. time clear eyes full hearts can't lose too sweet <laughs> <laughs>